Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Snapshots Live, Public Works' monthly webinar series. My name is Komate, Public Information Officer with Construction Outreach and Public Affairs. This month, in reflection of the one-year anniversary of the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic and when our city issued a state of emergency declaration, we will hear from some Public Works employees who have been essential frontline workers and key parts of the city's response to this unprecedented public health crisis. Last year, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was deployed to the Emergency Operations Center to help our city as a public information officer for the operations feeding unit, where I helped develop messaging and created a centralized food resource information webpage to assist those facing food insecurities during the early days of the shelter-in-place health order. From that personal experience, I can't begin to tell you how incredible it was to witness firsthand how many of our fellow city employees came together to help keep our city safe and running during those uncertain times. Today, we'll hear from San Francisco Public Works Acting Director, Alaric de Graffenried about his experience leading the department amidst so much fear and uncertainty. Carlo Alfonso, Executive Assistant to the City Architect who worked at the COVID Command Center. Julia Lowy, Bureau of Architecture's Principal Architect whose team helped ensure our most vulnerable residents had safe sleeping sites and alternative care facilities, and Dejada Durden, Deputy Director of Operations, who will share an overview of the Operation Bureau's COVID-related work. And now, to start things off, we'll turn it over to our Public Works Acting Director, Alaric de Graffenry. Thank you, Toma. And really, I just want to say, uh, Thank you, uh, and to everyone that's on the call, and to everyone that's uh, uh, watching, and all the really, uh, and the men and women here uh, at, at Public Works. Um, as Thomas said, I'll kind of just be giving you all an overview of some of the things that I've been doing here, and really that we've been doing since the onset uh, of COVID in the shelter in place. It's uh, as it's hard to believe that it's been a years that we've been here uh, in the shelter in place, and one of the things for me. And that sticks out is, and the resilience and the speed at which that we as a department were able to pivot and as immediately start to assist in, in the response. Uh, I mean, there was not a pause, there was no uh, as hesitation. We went from one day during our uh, uh, normal jobs to the next day, we're in uh, every shelter in place and we were uh, as immediately hoping to do things. The things like uh, uh, setting up the safe and the sleeping sites, which was a, a combination of our teams in operations and involved our teams at uh, uh, BDC. And uh, as you'll be hearing uh, about that more uh, and for later, and from Julia, and you'll be hearing more about it, uh, and from Jada as well. You know, and that's probably the biggest thing that was just amazing to me uh, and, and, and the speed at which we were able to move. And we thought, you know, this time last year that in the shelter in place was going to last a few weeks, maybe a month or two at the most. And, you know, and so we were, if it came into it and with the sprint, I mean, running really fast to do everything we could. And the thing that's amazing is we are still attacking COVID with that same effort level of energy and uh, uh, as resilience as if it was a sprint, but we now learned it is uh, as a marathon. And uh, the people in the, uh, here at Public Works have been, uh, uh, a tremendous asset to the city and the region more broadly for the work that you're doing. 
Uh, and that's really been one of the things for me as I was able to transition in, into this new role in January of last year. I mean, it was only about uh, as a six week period where things it were normal, if you will. So the bulk of the time I've had here at Public Works has been in uh, as a shelter in place type of uh, as an environment. And you know that's been for me one of the things that's probably been uh, the most difficult is just trying to find ways and and to uh, and connect uh, with you all. And uh, you know because it's hard doing that over Zoom and Teams and things like that. So. That's one of the reasons why some of the things I do and I've been doing here at Public Works is like uh, uh, I'm doing my best and to come into the office on a semi-regular basis, trying to visit the, the uh, and the operational teams uh, from time to time as well, just so I can try and connect uh, and with you all. Because uh, uh, in the times that I'm not doing that, uh, as my involvement with COVID has been it began out uh, at the beginning of COVID for the first uh, uh, six months or so, there were uh, as, uh, as daily calls that I was on, usually around the noon hour. And then uh, every night at six, there was a call to talk about COVID and what uh, and so we as a city were doing and how could the various uh, and the departments, uh, public works, HSH, MTA, the public safety departments, all of us, how could we all and work together to help the city uh, 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 and respond and for luckily that's now been able to be reduced to about a, 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 a as one day a week but at the same time I just want to emphasize to all of us that uh, and we cannot uh, ever let up you know we've seen our numbers uh, for COVID uh, ever start to go down whether it be here in the state in the region in San Francisco and, uh, and certainly here uh, and within public works but again I want to emphasize and encourage you all to still be vigilant and you know uh, use uh, uh, precautions uh, and for social distancing. If you can get the vaccine, uh, and please do uh, get that because uh, uh, and that's what it's going to take and to keep us all safe. So uh, uh, and for that, I'll say it again. I want to uh, uh, thank you all again for uh, as your dedication and your resilience. Uh, oh, 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 over this past year, and uh, as I'm certainly looking forward to seeing you all under more normal times. With that said, I will pass it along to, uh, uh, as my colleague, uh, 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 and to Carlo, who's uh, 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 going to share some of the uh, as experiences and that he's had working at the COVID uh, in the command center. Um, thank you, Alaric. Um, it's truly an honor to be here today, um, to be with you guys. Um, to the team behind Snapshots Live, thank you for having me. I am Carlo Alfonso and I'm here to talk about working at the COVID Command Center. Um, so I transferred to the Emergency Operations Center one month into starting with the Division of Building Design and Construction from the Bureau of um, Information Technology, all within Public Works. I know a lot of words, but yeah, I, I'm doing my best not to use um, acronyms. <laughs> um, I still support the Building Design and Construction Division um, to a certain degree, but most of my work is at the COVID Command Center, CCC for short. 
yeah, the, so the command center is actually more, much, much more than just testing sites and vaccination sites. I mean, vaccination hubs. Um, it's where a lot of the big decisions take place regarding the, uh, the city's COVID command um, related response. So this is briefly like the structure of what the COVID command center looks like. The blue um, middle box, uh, unified command, that's basically the group that um, are the top decision makers. Um, there are also several other sections underneath them, um, joint information, um, that's their uh, tasks with formal communications, operations, within operations, there's um, health services that um, oversees testing, medical outbreak management, human services that oversees food coordination, housing, rehousing, unsheltered um, services, community is another branch, and COVID vaccination, which is probably getting a lot of attention right now. Um, those are all within operations. The planning department where I'm in, we're in charge of like data management, visualization, situation statuses, documentation, and special projects. There's logistics, which covers resources and procurement, facilities, inventory distribution, and technology and data system support. And last but not the least, finance admin that um, focuses on funding, budget, and cost recovery. So the CCC COVID Command Center has evolved over time. It used to be two parts, the DOC and the EOC. And in July of 2020, they all came together and formed the COVID Command Center. It was really strategic because um, it's streamlined processes and reduced duplication of efforts. Um, so um, this CCC COVID command center pr priorities continue to adjust to the changing stages of COVID. Um, we look like we're nearing the end, so priorities and tasks will continue to change. So what I do for the CCC or COVID command center, next slide, please. I work in the documentation unit within the planning section. And my scope of work, um, I help coordinate priorities for the incident commanders um, through documentation support and um, documentation integrity. So the incident action plan in the middle of the screen is something that gets published every Friday, end of the week. It summarizes each section's objectives for each operating period. It contains objectives, org charts, safety messaging, and provides transparency in our weekly combined efforts. So any higher ups, let's say, that would come in and would like to get a brief overview of what's happening within the COVID command center for the week, they can basically just pick this up and read through it to see all the objectives that all the sections are doing. It's widely disseminated um, and it's referred to quite often. It's, it's also a process, a weekly process where we hold everyone accountable. So it's a, it's, there's a lot of hands that create this. Um, my team coordinates bringing this all together. 
Another thing that I help with is the all hands briefing. It's an MS Microsoft Teams live event that airs and is recorded every Friday, much like um, what we're doing right now. Um, it feels like a newsroom where you must start and end at a, at a specific time. There's several people that put this all together. Um, there are guest speakers, which um, Mayor Breed has joined in a few occasions and a lot of other government officials. There's someone who drives the event, facilitates the event, trains the speakers, um, someone who watches um, feedback and static and tracks attendee count, does mic checks. Um, a special shout out, by the way, to Donna DeCruz. I, she helped with this immensely. Basically, our predecessor dropped this off and said, here, take care of it. And her and I had to step up. So thank you, Donna. Um, you're, thank you for being a part of planning the planning group. So um, I would have to say that when I was asked if I would help as a disaster service worker back in April of 2020, I didn't really understand um, what I was signing up for because COVID-19 was just, it was in its early stages. And I also didn't know what being a DSW really meant. Naturally, with all that, I was a little apprehensive, but I also recognized that this was a, a really rare opportunity where I could be a part of something greater. Um, I started off shaky, not knowing heads or tails of what, what was happening, but I knew that I had to be in the frame of mind where um, I had to just roll with the punches and just do, do your best and figure it out. Um, it continues to be an, an inspiring experience, inspiring because I'm in the presence of so many intelligent, dynamic, thoughtful, and concerned people who work tirelessly to make this, make the citizens of San Francisco um, and uh, make sure that they're all well taken care of. And, um, and I know this because I have a hand in making sure that there's weekend coverage that our, our days don't end on Friday, that it still carries on. The culture at the COVID command center is to take care of others and just as importantly yourselves. They truly embody the work life balance and would frequently ask each other how you're doing. I mean, it really um, resonates with everyone. And I think because of this type of culture um, of checking in and listening, I feel like voices are being heard, voices of the community of San Francisco. It's um, different struggles and challenges by from each community, like transportation issues, distress with the process, people who may not have internet access and can't get an appointment. It was really insightful to hear the challenges and the voices of all these communities. Um, voices of those also who work at the command center. I've always been a feminist. I grew up with a single mom and sisters who are inspirational leaders in their own right. But seeing the number of female leaders and leaders of color at the command center made me even more of a feminist. I thought maybe that's why um, San Francisco is doing so well with COVID-19 management. I continue to remain in awe with the many different city departments who came together for this health emergency. So 
many people with different talents finding ways to help the people of San Francisco. I'm extremely humble because under these circumstances, I've witnessed kindness and thoughtfulness in the human spirit. I'm glad I was given the opportunity to, to support the COVID command center. 11 months into the pandemic, I've, I'd say I've become really invested in how we will be transitioning out. I think when I'm old and gray, strike that older and grayer, I see myself looking back at this time with a little more pride. Proud because I get to see how when faced with something as intimidating and damaging as COVID, so many people of San Francisco stepped up and did their best to help each other. It does not take being a part of the COVID command center to take care of each other. It is also in the little things we do, like washing our hands, staying six feet apart, doing more video and Microsoft Teams calls than we're used to, staying home or staying away from our loved ones because we worry about their safety. We all have contributed. I wanna take this opportunity to thank my fellow colleagues at BDC for their continued support, understanding and patience and to our fearless leader, Ron Almeida, who has been so great at continually checking in with me and to make sure that I'm properly supported. Thank you for letting me be a part of this and I'll always be grateful. On that note, it is my honor to introduce one of our amazing leaders, Julia Lowey. Well, thank you, Carlo, my friend. You are a hard act to follow. It's very wonderful to hear all about that. Um, I commend you for all the work you've done at the, at the COVID Command Center. Um, and I also want to thank the Snapshot Slide team for the opportunity to share with you some of the work um, BDC and the Bureau of Architecture and BBR has done um, in response to COVID-19. So I'll be talking about the safe sleeping sites and the alternative care facilities. And the safe sleeping sites were a response to the fact that the homeless shelters and navigation centers had to reduce capacity due to COVID-19. They couldn't all be as close together as they were. So this pushed many homeless people out into the streets, which resulted in a very dangerous and unsanctioned encampment around the city. And it was important to provide a safe sanitary space to sleep during the pandemic. We started repurposing various city-owned sites, such like this one on Fulton Street. Um, the tents were safely placed approximately 12 feet apart from each other, and the site included amenities such as hand-washing stations, restrooms, electrical charging stations, and an office for su support staff. This slide shows the layout of, for Fulton Street. Notice the spacing between the tents um, and then the restrooms and the offices. And, uh, hand washing stations and the amenities. Here's an aerial view of the Fulton Street site. We found that vacant lots and other open spaces are typically more feasible to set up quickly, where the land site is typically flat with hard surface such as asphalt concrete and allows us to allocate or designate spaces for individuals who set up their own shelters within those stripes, as you can see here. And this is what they look like occupied. You know, of course we can't guarantee that they will follow the COVID protocols such as mask wearing and social distancing, um, as you can see over here on the left, but this is a big, big step. 
For the test bits, we're usually presented with a list of specific sites, such as these 12, to determine feasibility based on the preliminary criteria provided by the client, which is the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. The Bureau of Architecture drew upon our own past and present experiences um, on similar types of projects, such as the navigation centers and the homeless shelters, which we, we have had a chance to deliver in record time. I'd like to note that our staff are particularly passionate about helping the homeless. And when COVID-19 struck, we were uniquely prepared to mobilize for a rapid response and quick turnaround. This came from the last few, few years of extensive work around the navigation centers and coordinating with multiple city agencies. For me, it is especially, especially inspiring to see multiple city agencies really pull together something fast to deliver in record time when we are confronted with something like this global pandemic. And I'd also like to give a special shout out to one of my staff, Erica Martin, who has been working exclusively on these types of projects since she joined us over three years ago. And she's extremely passionate about this work. Another typology we worked on in response to the pandemic was the alternative care sites. Um, and in this example, we took the old Presidio building and retrofitted it into a medical care facility on Borges Avenue. This facility was specific to emergency corridor wards. And in this case, we worked in tandem with our friends at the Bureau of Building and Repair. With these existing sites and as old buildings, the challenges we experienced are retrofitting them for a new use, expanding electrical capacity and working within the envelope of the existing building, especially in a rapid response timeframe. Here's a plan of the existing site, which is located just as you come off the Golden Gate Bridge on ramp towards Richardson Avenue. I'm sure you all driven by it at some point or another. The alternative care sites covers a critical three medical needs in response to COVID-19. It's sort of like a field hospital, a post-acute medical shelter for patients, and a, and a COVID shelter for patients to quarantine. This project was a great example of rapid response timeframe, and the team worked between and the teamwork between our public works bureaus and divisions. We actually got a call, I remember very clearly, on May 1st at the initial meeting with the client and the drawings were turned around in just a couple of days for review. And then on June 3rd, literally 30 days later, BBR started work. And then approximately 60 days after that, they had the temporary certificate of occupancy, three plus months, that's fast. Um, considering the size and the work required, this was nearly record time. And the Bureau of Building Repair, the Bureau of Engineers, Construction Management, and the Bureau of Architecture were all great partners and really pulled together in this, um, this particular project. One quote from one of our construction managers, Dennis Oates, who's also actually been key CM um, core employee for navigation centers, homeless, and the, this alternative care center really stands out to me. I've had the chance to visit the Gorgas site a couple of times now, and I wanna tell you how impressed I am with the project. The design is terrific, provides a very cozy feel that would make me feel cared for, and the construction quality is excellent. BBR crews have been friendly and helpful, and the work site is tidy and professional. This is a prime example of what BDC and BBR 
collaboration should be. Please pass on my compliments to the construction crew and design team. I can say personally that it's truly an honor to be working for this amazing organization because everyone has a great heart and pulls together to get things done when it is most important. And I don't think that we had, would have anticipated, we're all trained for earthquakes, but I don't think we would have anticipated a, a global pandemic. And then on a personal note, since it is the uh, anniversary, um, I, you know, for my team in particular, I'm really proud of them because we have six, uh, approximately 69 staff and pulled together um, immediately when we sheltered in place to get all of our, our computers going, our connectivity, et cetera. And I think that it, we've forged a tighter bond through these really tough times. And then we used to have our all staff meetings in the University of Public Works. And, but now we have them every two weeks just to bring people together. And I think we get more um, attendance than we ever had, actually. And we present our projects and our tips and our tricks working together remotely. And recently we had two guest speakers who were very well received. All of this helps keep the morale up. And I, in thinking back a March of um, a year ago, I was also thinking that for the first couple of months, every weekend I spent all weekend making masks. And now that I think about it in hindsight, I think that was a really smart move because it kept me busy and it kept my morale up and my spirit up and I felt like I was contributing as well. Um, so with that said, I'd like to hand the virtual microphone over to Dejada Durden, our new and esteemed director of operations. Take it away, Dejada. Hello, everyone. It's unbelievable to sit here and, and see that it's been one year during this pandemic. And I'd like to thank Julia for reminding me that it was one time a long time ago when we had the earthquake and public works had to work together and get through those times. And here we are again during these times, mobilizing to work together as a team to make it happen and do things that we just regularly don't do. But we did it. And um, during these times when the pandemic began, operations, first priority was the staff and the public. It was our priority. We continued to uh, mandate the mask and uh, follow the safety protocols. Um, in the beginning, it was difficult to get masks, but we got through it. And our operations, we did our own temperature checks and made sure that our staff followed the safety guidelines. We continued our daily operations 24-7 along with other job requests. We continued to uh, fulfill the need of the COVID Command Center through the communications of the Department of Operations Command. Um, but we still continue to uh, persevere and keep working. And uh, eventually we had to, uh, in the first two weeks, we had to dispatch some of our workers as DSW workers to uh, do other things. And they were tasked to do jobs like remove graffiti, help at the safe sleeping sites. Um, we had to do deliver materials. Uh, we dropped off safety PPE for other departments. We picked them up. Uh, we, uh, we were helping stock in warehouses at the Moscone Center, uh, but definitely uh, helped set up testing sites throughout uh, the city. 
um, vaccines. Um, that was important. We definitely uh, paved areas with our operators and uh, made safe areas for the public, maintaining social distance. We made sure that we helped everyone. Uh, BBR, you know, they built, <clears throat> locked up the bar stations. They uh, did a lot of closures. They worked real closely with BDC on the safe sleeping sites and testing sites, vaccine sites. I got to give a shout out to Jeff for coordinating with uh, Column on helping the COVID command center get what they need. And they were out there doing their job consistently, all while doing their regular 24-hour jobs continuously. It was tough, but we made it through. We also had pit stops that were created because the city was on lockdown and we needed to have restrooms. So we had attendance and pit stop locations for people to use the restroom. And uh, that was important, you know, created a few jobs for, for the neighborhoods, but uh, it's continuing on right now today. Again, BBR did a lot of work on uh, housing, helping house the homeless and um, they stay busy and definitely help with safety, putting up screens and dividers so people can work safely with social distancing. And they were significant to this. Along with other, all the other crafts and trades, we all work together, but BBR really put in an extra effort. But I wanted to say that uh, we persevered through these times of uncertainty and we work together to continue with the workflow. And I wanna say thank you to everyone and now I'd like to pass it over to Ben for any questions or answers for any of you out there who have a question for any of us. Appreciate you, thank you. All right, thank you Jada and thank you to the rest of our presenters as well for uh, giving us that retrospective on uh, Public Works' COVID-19 pandemic response. My name is Ben Peterson. I'm on the Public Works communications team and I'm gonna be handling the Q&A portion of today's uh, webinar. Uh, if you have any questions and um, have not done so already, you can submit them uh, using the chat or the uh, Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. Um, we have about just over 10 minutes um, for Q&A, so I'm going to try to get through as many um, of these questions um, as possible. Um, the first question is kind of an so open question, so anyone can, can really um, chime in if they'd like. Um, you mentioned a lot of things throughout this webinar that you're really proud of, um, you know, the teamwork and the rapid response that so many different aspects of our uh, department have, have given. Um, but if you could choose one thing that you were most proud of, what would that be? And that question is from uh, Beth Rubenstein. And or also, uh, what are you most proud of and what kind of surprised you um, in the department's um, response? So if anyone would like to take the, uh, the first crack at it. I'd say, I mean, for me, the one thing that, again, which I think I mentioned before, but I am most proud of is how uh, and tireless and, uh, I mean, and, and I don't know, is it, uh, and the best way of saying it, but, and the lack of whining that you saw by the people. I mean, and for Carlos has been at the COVID command center for months. I mean, and Nikki, who's helping support this call has supported uh, uh, Nathan, I mean, I can think of so many people that have given uh, so much, and it's, it, it mean, and it's not like you go down to and the COVID command center and they have uh, as Barker loungers and you're sitting back, you know, uh, 
uh, eating popcorn all day. I mean, they're working tirelessly, long hours, getting up early, working weekends. And it's just the, and the commitment really, uh, as Carlos said, and to something bigger than, I mean, which is, which is actually, if you think about it, the things that we do is already saying a lot. I mean, just in public works day in, day out, we're already committing something that's bigger than what we are. But this is actually taken to a whole new level of commitment. And so I can tell you, I mean, that has, I mean, I am uh, and profoundly proud of each and every person that's been involved in that process. And whether you've been at the COVID command center or not, because again, the fact that you all are doing your jobs and 1600 other people in these crazy times of, uh, you know, and having to deal with and the screaming kids and the internet being slow and uh, you know trying to commute in on BART, which I'm doing from time to time when the BART schedules are different. I mean, everything is just so uh, wacky these last year, this last year. And I have not seen any project or any person just stop me, stop working. It's just, we continue just to, to uh, and to plow through it all. And so for me, that's been probably the biggest thing that I'm uh, and so proud of. And frankly, it's because of that, you all as inspire me to not whine, or at least I should be clear, I don't whine as much as I would normally whine. I'm trying to scale back because you guys, you know, uh, it's to make me feel that, hey, if uh, everyone else can do it, I can do it too. Great, uh, thank you, Alaric. Like you said, so many people have sacrificed so much um, over this last year and it's really, um, it's really, really great to see. Um, does anyone else have anything uh, to add? I could just say that I'm really proud of, of my team. I mean, day one, they totally mobilized to get working because, you know, as architects, we're, we usually are work, we usually are, we usually work together, collaborating, you know, with, side by side at a drawing table. So to go remote on the computers, it was a big deal. And mm -hmm. I think they just, nobody whined. I like what Alaric said, um, everybody just really pulled together. And I think often the, uh, some of my staff who are home alone, you know, or the ones that also have three kids, they're screaming in the background. And the, and the parents that have to be, or managers that have to be parents and teachers all at the same time. So I think I'm, I just feel very blessed to have that kind of team. Great, thank you, Julia. Um, the next question that we have is uh, for Dejeda. Um, during your part of the presentation, you talked a bit about um, expanding the pit stops program during the early days of, uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that process and specifically how those, all those new sites were chosen so quickly. Um, and also if there are any difficulties securing staffing for all of these new um, pit stops at, with such a quick timeline. Great question. Great question. So uh, how we picked the sites were based upon um, public access where people during these times travel. So traveling to the bar, to the bus, you know, in the areas in need, um, of course, where areas where people weren't at not traveling as much, we didn't put them there. And then once we put the pit stops in, we did a, a tally of how many people were going to the restrooms during that time. So we chose whether to keep them there or move it to another area where we thought we needed to have it. And thus far it's worked. 
you know, uh, putting it in areas where the need was, where people were at. And um, we focused in on just watching and being out there in the field, understanding where the need is for the public and also our staff as well. And um, that's how we figured it out. And, uh, but it also helped with the community because we had um, contracts through communities that helped provide jobs to have monitors sit at the pit stops. So when you go in, they would sanitize them and make it safe for everyone, you know, during these times, you know, touching and, uh, you know, people just going through places and it created some, some jobs as well. So we helped as much as they helped us. We worked together. Great. Um, thank you for that. And um, just to follow up, um, are there any plans to keep these new pit stops in operation um, as the COVID pandemic subsides when it does uh, fully subside? Or is it something those are just uh, purely uh, temporary um, location? No, no, there's a plan to uh, reduce. Yes, but we'll continue to have the pit stops where needed at. Yes, Great. absolutely. All right. Thank you. Welcome. Um, our next question. Um, I guess it could really be for any of the, uh, the panelists since um, a lot of you are in kind of uh, management positions. Um, was it uh, difficult or sometimes even intense balancing people's uh, employees and colleagues fears of the um, contagion and the virus um, while also you know, addressing the needs of the city? It seems like it'd be um, you know, pretty difficult territory to, um, you know, um, to navigate with you know, so many people having so much fear and uncertainty, especially uh, during the beginning of the pandemic around going outside or, um, you know, a lot of the things they need to do to perform their normal course of work. So um, if you could, any of you could shed a little bit of light on how that, um, how that played out. Definitely at operations, the uncertainty was high here on the yard. And I think that communication, you know, having meetings outside instead of enclosed areas, uh, we created posters, uh, we weekly updated them on the changes that the state was mandating. I mean, you know, during this pandemic, we, we changed policy every other month on rules and regulations. And so we communicated with them continuously, continuously and took on recommendations. And we implemented hand sanitizers all over the yard, electric ones, where you just swipe your hands, no touch, or here, here's a bag of, you know, we just communicated constantly with them and listened. You know, people want to be listened and heard on their issues and worries. And we just try to reassure them that we're here to help them through this process. And um, we're going to do this together. And that's how I feel as a manager. And I didn't leave and stay home. I stay here at operations 24-7 with them. And that helped them get through till today as well. Yeah, and then, I mean, and I'll, uh, uh, I'll echo everything that, that you just heard from Jada. And, you know, those first few days, we just didn't know. I mean, yeah. I remember we having real conversations about, do we send everybody home, including <laughs> operations? But yeah. then we quickly realized our jobs are so essential that we can't, I mean, we have to find a way to do our jobs and somehow trying to balance the safety and the security of our, our, uh, as employees, which is of the utmost uh, and the concern to me with the same, uh, the counterbalance of the, 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 and the security and the safety of the people and the businesses here in San Francisco. Because if we're not here, 
and they're not going to be safe. You know, the streets, the litter, I mean, all that. So it's, it's a really hard thing to balance. And I was talking about it this past weekend and with Carla Short, and I don't know if you all remember, but about this time last year, we were planning uh, as an Arbor Day event for Saturday, and we were going to have people volunteer. And it was on that Thursday night, we were struggling trying to figure out, do we cancel it? Because we just didn't know if it was going to be safe. And we did. And we went through so much of a heartache coming to that decision. And I'm so glad we did. But again, it was just, we just didn't know because there was no guidelines coming out at the federal or the state or even the local level because our own uh, uh, health officers had not given us enough information. So we were just really trying to do what we thought was right and crossing our fingers and everything and just hoping. And again, I think in uh, as a lot of ways we got lucky, <laughs> but, because, but that is because we have such a strong, uh, as a management team and we very quickly in a huddle and started to think through some of those same issues. And, and another thing I'll mention very briefly too, is, you know, thinking about you all and, you know, and, and, and when is it going to be safe to come back and things like that. I can tell you as a city, those are things we are beginning uh, uh, to think through uh, and right now. And certainly I will not be recommending that we come back until we know that it is going to be safe for all of us. And, and I will never ask anyone to do something that I wouldn't uh, uh, as do myself. And that's why, for example, I know that there is a lot of hesitation and concern with any number of things. But I mean, for example, as you can see me and routinely on BART as with my daughter. And I know there's a lot of hesitation to start doing some of these things, but you can do these things in a safe way. If you, know, if you uh, can maintain your social distancing, uh, wearing your mask, uh, washing your hands infrequently. So I just want you all to know when we do get to that point, when we do start to open things up more broadly, that it will be done in a way uh, that'll be safe. And I can assure you that it, uh, as it won't be done until, uh, uh, as it is safe, it is something that, uh, uh, and we are not going uh, and to rush into. Thank you, Alaric, for sharing that. Um, it definitely seems like, um, you know, a lot of the, the tone is set at the top. And it seems like, you know, um, public works is, uh, management and, and higher levels of people have really done an exemplary job of, of doing that over the last few months and the last year as well. Um, it looks like we are about out of time for the Q&A uh, portion of this webinar. Um, thank you to all of our panelists, again, um, for answering all those questions and to everyone who submitted questions as well. Um, I'm going to hand it back over to our host, uh, Koma. Great, thank you, Ben. So this concludes a very special installment of the Snapshots Live webinar series. Thank you again to all of our presenters and to everyone who attended as well. We had over 120 uh, people join us this afternoon, so thank you for taking time. If you'd like to share your own experience, please consider participating in the digital COVID time capsule. For more information, check your email from hello at sfdpw.org that was just recently sent. Keep an eye out for next month's webinar where we'll be celebrating Earth Day by learning about Public Works' effort to build and maintain San Francisco's urban forest. Thank you all for joining us and have a great afternoon. And thank you all.